In the following episode, my microphone is a bit of a disaster area. This is because Skype had updated without telling me and took control of it. I'm very cross about that. Um, a lot of you won't notice. Audio files will and will be very cross with me. Don't worry, I fix it for future episodes. Hey, boomers! Welcome once again to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your fortnightly guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. Dave's giggling How in the background there. How is Always it achieved? impressed that I can remember it. We are the humans <laughs> who think we're in charge. Some of us clearly more in charge than others. We could just write it down, but we don't. <laughs> My name is Chris McFeeling. My name's Dave Bulmer. And we've got an issue for you this time of Sonic the Comic. Do you remember that comic? That's what we talk about on this podcast. And it is issue number 52. Now, it says on the cover it's the 26th of May, 1995. Do we know the real numbers? Yes, it was actually released on the 13th of May, 1995. This is issue number 52. Mm, it's got a cover. As most comics do. It has a cover. That's why it doesn't all just fall to bits. This is uh, Knuckles versus Short Fuse, the Cyber Nick. Remember him? Short yes, Fuse, the Cyber Nick. this is his first reappearance since his yeah. original strip. It's funny, isn't it, how... It's like we were making this point with Captain Plunder getting a strip before Techno even gets introduced. Mm. It turns out that the exact order and, and prominence <laughs> these characters had is all a little bit muddled up in our heads, isn't it? Yeah, a Short bit. fuse. It's like uh, last issue. Whenever we realised this two-parter across these two issues is the first time Metamorphia has come back since her debut two-parter. Yeah. And it's like, but it's Metamorphia. We know Metamorphia. <laughs> you know, it's all in our heads. Well, this is a picture of uh, Knuckles... Uh, it, this isn't how you draw Knuckles. Something's gone a bit wrong with the... So Carl Flint draws Knuckles. What's happened is, it's a side view of Knuckles, but Carl also wants to draw both his eyes on, so he's got this extra eye kind of bulging out in a weird way from the side. But to be fair on Carl, Knuckles' head was a mystery for the longest time. It had such strange shapes in it. Yeah, it's like if you just cover that bulging eye it really exactly. is just the profile shot and he's trying yeah. like he Perfectly hasn't good. messed up or anything he's just really tried to mm. figure out how to put this sh like it doesn't strike me as an aspect it just looks to me like a pretty standard piece of carl flint art you know the the way he handled these characters and their models more than anything else but uh what he's done that's cool is short fuse is doing two zaps out of his lap zappy laser guns <laughs> on his arms and knuckles is like punching one he's yeah. punching a laser <laughs> <laughs> well carl flint draws draw good short fuse doesn't he mm, yeah I mean, it, uh, we've said it before, but it helps that Short Fuse just has a really good design. But that airbrushed sheen that Carl Flint art always has yeah. just also happens to lend itself really well to this burnished really chrome look that Short Fuse has. Yeah, as ever, it has little bits of text peppered all over it telling us what's coming up in the issue. We've got Sonic Pinup. That's in a special star little thing, but as if we, as if we care. I wonder if they thought we cared. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Back then, sure, yeah, you cared about a little pin-up in the middle. Um, I mean, you never took it out, but it was nice to look at. See, I didn't. I simply didn't care. It's nice to know like that you did. like just having a nice little showcase of art? Not but really. You, you, but you love art. You are an artist. <laughs> it's just... There's something about a pin-up that's like, and this... We've got an extra bit of paper we're going to put the picture on, I guess. I suppose it's dependent on what they use. Like, there have been some rubbish pinups in the past, mm. and there'll be some rubbish ones in the future, but there have also been some very nice ones. I you remember the and Christmas one Mike Hadley did. The oh, that was that a good one, mind. and yeah. we'll get there, but this is a good one. Yes. But then, oh, listen to this. I, I know the... I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love that this got the cover line. <laughs> PJ and Duncan go snowboarding. 
Wow! There's your time capsule stuff there. PJ and Duncan, not Anton Deck. And snowboarding, you know. <laughs> that, that in and of itself speaks to a very specific era. If you don't know who we're talking about, listeners, uh, you know, wait and see. You will we'll find out. Yeah, wait and see. Don't spoil it for them. <laughs> we got Shinobi. We got Sonic's World. Knuckles Buster? Question mark. Cybernick's greatest hit. All right, clumsy, but all right. New complete mm. story. Yes, and that is what the cover illustration here refers to. Uh, mm. Knuckles and, and Short Fuse. I almost said going at it again. Apparently that's the <laughs> shorthand I use to refer to two characters yes. having a fight, having a dust-up, having a Barney. I'm so sorry for having essentially <laughs> removed that from the things you're allowed to say. I know. I, 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 go ahead. Go right ahead. I think you should be allowed to. <laughs> Shorty and Knuckles going at it. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Shorty and Knuckles going at it. <laughs> it does mean both. So you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't think we described the rest of the cover, though, because it's... Knuckles on the ground and short fuse shoom, flying down at him, firing yeah. his lasers. And then it's just a black cover with a white spotlight in the middle. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's not undynamic. No, it's, it, but, it's fine. Oh man, my eyes are just drawn to that. PJ and Duncan goes, like, they don't normally call this stuff up on the cover. No, they have these no that's the thing. Features. They didn't say, you know, we like interview with Right Said Fred on the cover that time, did they? Did they? I don't think did they did. They, <laughs> they might have done, actually. I don't think so. Though. I can't swear. <laughs> no, because I just replace it with a spring sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, uh, right. It's just some Lego Aquazone again on the back cover advert, so let's open it up and get to the... Control Zone. I feel like Megadroid's welcome screens are entering into just a, a reliable pattern now. There's rarely anything mm. to pull out on them, except whenever he uses an odd turn of phrase that we can lightly mark, which seems to yeah, be recur- Nothing this time uh, in that regard. No. He just describes what's in the issue, yeah. and then what's coming in the next issue or two. The countdown lessons. The countdown lessons. The countdown lessons. Sound, does that sound right? That doesn't sound right. And we are picking on a turn of phrase. I suppose we are, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> what else can you do? The countdown lessons for STC 53's second birthday issue. Yeah, what they mean is, next issue, we're going to describe now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is it going to be this? Yes, it's the second birthday issue. Brimming with delights such as a brand new Sparkster series, which oh. I am looking forward to. Yeah, Because I don't really remember it. My no. primary memory, I'm sure I've said this before and I'm sure I'll say it again, of the Sparkster series is that it's based on the sequel game mm. instead of the first game. Because that was the current game at the time. I never played the sequel, but I played the original and I was just disappointed that it wasn't based on that. So I haven't lodged much of it in my memory space. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how it goes and there's also the start of a new knuckles series called chaotic tell me this dave you might Hi. remember because i don't has this damned comic even <laughs> mentioned the chaotic scheme before now oh i don't know because i muddied the waters by going to you did pull one of the machines. machines yeah it must have but we haven't had a new zone for like four months now i think that it did and i think it was just a small mention and i think it was probably the last thing we really heard they'll have they'll have mentioned a knuckles game is coming out come on maybe they i can't swear to it but the thing is this welcome screen here a new knuckles story called chaotix clearly the editor doesn't know there's a game called chaotix otherwise it'd be maybe, some yeah. 
Well, it's not that they would say we'll have the adaptation of the game Chaotix. I don't think they would say that in the language well, they, of no, because the they never game. say that. They never, they never do. No, but there's just something about a new. Wouldn't they say Knuckles meets their Chaotix or something like that? Something that acknowledges it's something yeah, we would want that we know about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what it's all changed prize-wise with the yes. graphic zone and speed lines. Are we at the end of the, the Sonic, Sonic Water Fun game, game era? Yes. Surely not. Well, we'll oh, wait and see what they say about that when we get issue, to the speed yeah. lines. There's a chance to win an excellent Sonic and Knuckles denim jacket and Mega Drive games. Oh, I'd like a Sonic and Knuckles denim jacket. You beat me to it. Who's going to say you'd wear that jacket today? Because, you know, I, I don't know what the jacket looks like. No. But I can bet money is just it's denim jacket with the logo on the back. Yep. The, the two heads. I bet that's what it is. Or even, worst case scenario, not even, and it's just a little one on the arm. <laughs> yeah, but it's got to be... You would want it on the back, though. You'd of course want you'd want it on the back. Across the shoulder blades. You know stuff. what? I think it's going to be on the back. And the reason I think that is I am picturing a hastily edited picture of Johnny Lightfoot with the Sonic head on the back of his jacket replaced with the Sonic and Knuckles logo. Mm, maybe. So I, we'll I find think out maybe that's issue. how they're going to advertise it. We will find out. So don your party hats and get ready for the birthday bash. And that'll be our second <laughs> birthday, too. Flipping egg! I know, but let's not dwell on it now. I know we could spiral off <laughs> yeah. the path here, but we'll save it for next issue. We'll get some cake in or something. Yeah. Oh, no, down the middle. <laughs> I have to say I wasn't impressed with this one. This is a bit rude, isn't it? Deeply so. Well, so basically, uh, again, they're just struggling to fill some space, and yeah. they happen to have been sent photos by boomers yeah. of them with their sonic swag as we've seen before that old thing here i am holding my games standing in front of my posters that stuff yeah it's like they don't have enough of them to build a graphic zone out of them or whatever so they're just bunging them in here in the control zone and that's all good uh one from danny cleel here who's got the full trilogy i always call it a trilogy even though it's yeah. four games the four-part trilogy this is perhaps sonic one two three and knuckles is the one time the word quadrilogy is appropriate yeah. <laughs> And he's got Shinobi poster up there on the back wall, and he's got Sonic jacket and everything. He's got well. a very, very desirable Sonic jacket. I fancy having that on. <laughs> and then down below that, we've got David Oxley from Slough, who is um, wearing the Valentine's issue around his neck. He is, yes. Stuck to his chest. Yes. It's, that, that seems to be it. He's just got it stuck to him in some way, somehow. Yeah. And he's standing in front of two pinups. Yep, two pinups. The aforementioned uh, Mike Headley Christmas one and that early Richard Elson one. Which kind of blend into his mum's wonderful wallpaper, which is <laughs> it's just repeat pattern. Well, no, I can't even see a repeat. It's just loads of flowers. Loads and loads of... That's a, a very, very old-fashioned sort of wallpaper. I'm delighted. It is, though. Proper Nan's house stuff, that. Yeah, I, do you know, I was just thinking, I think that might be a Nan's house wallpaper, yeah? I think he's <laughs> yeah. round his Nan's house. He's doing the old uh, Sonic 2 peace sign, two fingers up, but he's not looking at the camera, he's looking off to the side. Oh, I guess he's supposed to be looking off to the side the way Sonic looks off to the side on game covers. Oh, and he's got one hand on his hip. Listen, I'll tell you what, David Oxley looks to me like a man who has got his shit together. He looks like a cool <laughs> character. And then, you know, Danny Cleel of Enfield up there, he's the fun one. You've got your Sonic and your Tails right there. Yeah, Danny Cleel has all four games, man. How many people did you know had all four of them? Very few. Yeah. Maybe one. But the way they've chosen to 
It's just rude. Theme this little segment. It's called Personality Crisis, is the thing here. And they say, study the photos below, apostrophe and photos, wrong. And you'll notice that the two boomers <laughs> are wrong. doing their very best impressions of Sega characters. One shares more than a passing resemblance to Shorty from Sonic's World, while the other is striking that also similar cool dude pose. And yeah, Danny Cleel just happens to have... I mean, I wouldn't even say he did have buck teeth. Nope. He's he just grinning in this photo, He is smiling in a way where you can see his two front teeth. And they do in that, you know, in that schoolchild way where the two front teeth are the, probably the most recent of the teeth. You know, it's not... You shouldn't make it the highlight of no. the entire feature. Where it's got all four games. Oh, boy. Has sent this in with a great big grin on his face. He's delighted when he's getting this photo taken, yeah. hoping it'll get in Sonic the Comic. He sends it in. They're like, ah, ha, ha. You look like a squirrel. You look like a f***ing squirrel. Yeah, I'm not impressed at all. <laughs> no, he looks cool. I think he looks a lot of fun. He doesn't look as cool as David Oxley, who's like f James Bond-level cool or something, but... <laughs> I gotta be honest with you, my white turtleneck is not conveying cool on me here. You don't think no. so? I'll tell you what kind of cool he looks like to me. He doesn't look like... 90s cool dude he, he wouldn't pull off sunglasses what he looks like is like the cool customer the lead of an enid blighton detective team that kind of cool right he can take yes. charge okay now i'm on your level yes okay i see what you're getting at no he's like the oldest one out of the pavenzi kids that's who he is yes i'm with you i feel you yeah okay <laughs> bit of activity in the charts as well oh yeah yeah road rash 3 coming in at number one not a game you no. really thought of as a big uh no big number one hit but three you yeah you know you've had your initial oh everyone loved road rash you've had your road rash 2 a sequel a sequel three comes out yeah okay i guess i'm sure we'll i this. truly knew there was a road rash 3 <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> Also, PGA Tour Golf and Winter Olympics have re-entered. Oh, God. The right. sporty drivey. Mm. Things are eclipsing. <laughs> Jimmy White's Whirlwind Snooker at number eight. FIFA Soccer at number that? two. How is that? How is a snooker game? It's the top ten Mega Drive games. Why is a snooker game in there? It's the Mega Drive. It's not the flipping Amiga or something where people are sitting down and being like pushing their little glasses up their noses and pulling their sleeves up to play some thoughtful sport. Like, well, at least you're honest. <laughs> no, I, do you know what I mean? Snooker. That's like a home computer computer users game <laughs> if it was football fine i get that fifa's and hey well done road rash 3 knocking that off the top spot but i get that mm -hmm. it's at the top spot that's fine snooker fine eternal champions still at three though wow micro machines lion king and uh, sonic and knuckles still clinging in there at 10 yeah still going at it <laughs> the Something funny going on in the Master System chart, though, because it says Sonic the oh, Hedgehog yeah. 2 is at number one, and it's listed as having come down a spot. Oh! <laughs> down, <laughs> fr down from A star, I guess. Down from S rank. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that. A lot of re-entries in the charts this week, to be honest. Must have been some classic re-releases. Yeah. Classic, God. <laughs> well, they'll be looking at the fact that we're going to get a new generation soon, and they'll be hastily shoveling them all out the door again for... Yeah, you know, I'm interested to see what they do with the charts at that point. Yeah. Will we bid farewell to the master system and, and replace it with the saturn the third they can't possibly have a 32x chart can they <laughs> well the countdown lessons for us reading the sonic story <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> so shall we shall we <laughs> Disaster! Part 2! Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Ella Tafel. Sonic is captured and brought before Robotnik in the Death Egg's control room. 
forced to watch as the Doctor prepares to turn his satellite's disintegrator rays on the Emerald Hill Zone. Before he can open fire, however, the Death Egg comes under attack from the ancient weaponry that Knuckles has activated on the now-mobile Floating Island. As Island and Satellite trade blasts, in the chaos Sonic knocks the Master Emerald free from its housing, robbing the Death Egg of power, but he and the Emerald are then sent crashing through a porthole and plummet down towards Mobius. <laughs> oh, Jesus! This is... <laughs> Here, this is the one. This is the one. Whenever uh, we've flagged up a few issues where it's the one people think of, this is the one I think of. When I think of, like, peak era STC, yeah. it's this one. It's this one. The floating island in motion after the God. cliffhanger on last issue. Yeah. Like, out of the lakes and mountains at its center, this crackling beam of energy climbs and forms a sphere over the island that then shoots out and zaps the death egg. I mean, yeah. I mean, come the F on! <laughs> the death egg versus the, versus floating, the island? floating island? Shooting it? Are you kidding me? Are you <laughs> kidding me with this ish? This is... Uh, oh. It's amazing. <laughs> it, it, nobody else thought of this at the time. Nigel Kitching has just gone, yeah, fuck it. The floating island is a vehicle as well. Why, <laughs> it's just get, why not? And we're just gonna we're gonna grab the wheel. We're gonna hit the joystick. We're gonna shoot at the death egg back and forth. God, it's God, so and cool. Elson is on top oh form as God. well. Yeah, look at him. I look mean, at him go. His Robotnik is taking that. I don't. It's like everybody's just slowly, artistically, just creeping into how they look in your brain when you think of them. Mm, yeah, you know that's the thing. It's tempting when you think of like when you want to praise Richard Elson's work in this one, and and I feel like I'm I'm kind of saving talking about it. But there's a couple of there's one panel in particular that you want to praise, but everything here. Grimer's face is amazing all the way through. Grimer this. is actually what I was going to flag up. Yeah, yeah Grimer looks tremendous in this issue second page first panel yeah. as you know Sonic's surrounded by spike bunkers on the right Robotnik's Grimer prepare the disintegrator is on the left and Grimer is like <laughs> Grimer is happy in his work <laughs> loving it over the control console with his hands up big grin Dreamwave I Dreamwave Dreamworks eyebrow I wanted on record that I have other points of reference in popular culture and the light from the consoles is illuminating yes. his face from beneath and he looks tremendous oh, I never met a man who was as happy in his work <laughs> no oh there's one big bulging eye and then the death egg gets gets hit from outside but we don't see what it is at first the death egg just rocks right before mm. they fire the disintegrators and Grimer is like I think you ought to take a look at this and there's a panel of him pressing his face against <laughs> the porthole but it's and again and the way he's is it's tremendous the way he's done it um, so the whole image is blue except for the bits of Grimer's skin that are touching the glass yes. of the porthole so it's the palms of his hand and the yeah. very nose yeah assuming that the reason they're blue is that we're like looking in from outside yes we're looking he's in also, through the glass yes yeah so he's also put the whole of the window is covered in the reflection of the clouds that sort of yes. he can see it's just marvelous it's just such a good picture oh, of people looking out of a window and look at look at robotnik on the panel to the left of that one that little look yeah. that look of surprise just you know the way we've said i think we said it before and i think it's as mm -hmm. true as it ever was is that elson really took the adventures of robotnik design and made it his own mm -hmm. 
Yeah. There are many years left of this comic, and Elson's style and the way he draws these characters will gradually evolve and change over those years. Sometimes yeah. for the better, sometimes for the worse, sadly. And this, his Robotnik definitely hasn't completed that transformation yet. You know, in many ways, the way his Robotnik ends up almost loops him back around to how he looked before he transformed. You know, the, mm. the shape of his head, the proportions in general. But um, whenever you get a panel like that of Robotnik going, What was that? It's like, oh yeah, no, wait, this is from the Adventures cartoon. This, this, that's where this yeah. design comes. Suddenly it comes screaming through. You remember that, that, he yeah, isn't, yeah. that this design wasn't ours to begin with. <laughs> mm. But then if you, I mean, look at the previous panel and he's got this scowl and he's getting sort of yeah. knocked around and it's just, gosh, oh, it's all so good. The expanding lips. <laughs> Which is an, an artifact of the way Elson drew the previous Robotnik design. You know, that's yes. not a, a, an adventurous thing. I think, I feel like I'm only realizing that now. And I'm like, I'm trying to imagine in my head, how even did the adventurous cartoon really look? Because when I close my eyes and picture mm-hmm. it, I just you see, see this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'm realizing, I guess, I guess the adventurous didn't, didn't have that. Well, what he had was, he, he had like a normal amount of angry lip, but he had basically a fat face. So the face was wider than the mouth which is so yeah. weird to think about when we're used to <laughs> this version but it did that's what we mean when we say he took it and made it his own you know and it's the version that lives rent free up here yeah oh it's, it's and just, just you know just because we're focusing on grimer and robotnik and how cool it is that the hey. floating island shoots lasers now don't forget sonic's in this <laughs> sonic's there looking prototypically perfect it's just it's sonic that's what sonic looks like knuckles looks great it's sonic and knuckles i I can't think of anything to say about it because he's because he's so good at robotic in this one right look at page five the one where sonic's saying if you want the emerald you'll have to go through me go through me look at robotic in that one look at the motion on that he's kind of leaning forwards pointing back there's this great line of action all the way through him that's so good and all the way through this there are egg robos all over the place so there's a you know sort of 3d space being defined by where they are compared to things clutching up the air here's something i really like on page two mm. what an interesting targeting reticule the death eggs laser has <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely it's wild shape for a targeting reticule from Richard just, Nelson, it? just a big i almost wish it was shaped like an egg <laughs> But I know, yeah. No, <laughs> it's just a big blob, sort of a triangle, but more of a blob. Yeah. And like, I mean, the the crosshairs are there. There, yeah. But yeah, but and it's, then just the thing that surrounds shape. them is just a weird Jack Kirby sci-fi shape. Yeah, and <laughs> and he means it because you see it in more than one. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't drawn it randomly. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> Actually, that doesn't deserve. That's pretty good. I was just stunned into silence for a moment there. I don't. I don't feel like anyone on earth has ever made that pun before. That's a really good pun. Congratulations. Thank you. Is there any other situation where you could even make that pun ever? Possibly not. Oh, but as I say, Sonic is in this, and he's on form as well. You yeah. know, like, uh, with last issue, we left him fighting the Spike Bonkers. And in this issue, yeah. we begin, he's in the control room, surrounded by them. They have captured him and ushered him there. You are now my prisoner! Your prisoner? Pfft, dream on! I just lost my way, and these guys helped me find you, that's all. 
Hmm. Or uh, whenever Grimer's zeroing in on the Emerald Hill Zone with the lasers. Ready to fire in ten seconds. I'm going to have to move fast. That's my specialty. And then he starts bopping badniks left and right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I always love it when they remember that he's Sonic the Hedgehog. You know what I mean? Because Nigel writes these adventures as adventures. And so a few heroes could be in this situation. So it's always like, oh no, this guy can do this. This guy is fast and can bop things. (laughs) Johnny Lightfoot's not going to be leaping up and kicking a badnik, you know, mm. only Sonic's going to be doing that. Yeah. And I, I like this bit, as, but then the, the floating island attacks, you know, and Sonic peers out the window and goes, oh, Knuckles said he had an idea. I'm impressed. And there's no, you know, thought bubble. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, there's, he, he's on his own. No, nobody can hear him. Knuckles isn't there to hear him. So Sonic is just openly complimentary of someone for once. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if the moment was different, you know, he'd be like, I'm impressed. Not that I'd ever tell him that. You, know? yeah. you could almost, you could almost mentally add that to the end of his yeah. sentence. Not that I'd ever admit it to the guy. <laughs> oh, God. I, uh, just like the floating island... The Death Egg <laughs> fires back at the Floating Island. Yeah. But they don't have the, like, the Floating Islanders without the Master Emerald, so it's doing this low up. Again, now we did point this out last yeah. issue, where it's a tiny bit sus that the Floating Island is able to do any of this without the Master Emerald. Yeah. It, it, given that the thrust of the story should be that the Floating Island is in danger of falling back down to Mobius if they don't get the Emerald back. The fact that it then starts moving under its own power and shooting God's damn lasers! But I don't... It's too damn cool. I tell you what I would be doing. If I was doing some kind of expanded version of this, you know, if I'm doing the animated version of this, what I'm doing with it is that every time it shoots, it falls a bit. Oh, that's good. I like that, yeah. Like, it's got a certain amount of energy stored up still in it, and are the chaos em- the chaos emeralds are there, so I guess they're the chaos what- emeralds are still there. So yeah, so yeah. I guess they're what this is. But yeah, the idea that the master emerald is is the source of the energy, the chaos emeralds can have the energy. So yeah, I would be having it that the island is drifting down, and every time it shoots, it it plummets a little bit further and loses a bit of that potential energy. So there's a there's a finite number of shots it can do. Yeah, but then the death egg is like shooting the, the island and blowing stuff and everything. I was when I was reading this. When I was reading this for this, I was going, does the floating island get destroyed? Like, because he was going to destroy the Emerald Hill Zone. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be zones getting blown off the face of this island. And maybe it'll be ones that we haven't, you know, been introduced to, so yeah. we don't really mind. But, like, wow, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but then Sonic knocks the Emerald free. Again, yes. I did flag up the poor design of having basically one large room in the entire Death Egg last <laughs> issue. And so, such that the Emerald is in the control room. And that's where the power comes from. But uh, then, yes, they go crashing out the window. And then... Oh, God. A double page Jesus spread. Jesus Christ. This is the one. Oh. Have we... Right. Have you we ever had... You see this shared around a lot. You know, whenever people yeah. actually want to go, Hey, look, Sonic the Comic had good art. Instead of, <laughs> I don't like your face. Whenever you want to have to put up with that <laughs> This is the image a lot of people share around. The impression you don't get from that, which you do get, like... We've said this on the podcast, early in the podcast, we haven't really mentioned it recently. This comic was large. Mm-hmm. Full magazine size. Much bigger than an American comic book is the key point to Way bigger more than anything else. And right? bigger, I've learned during the duration of this, than um, 2000 AD currently prints. So even if you're a reader of that, it's bigger than that. And as you're reading this comic, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, 
I don't think we've ever had a two-page spread before, have we? We had one in Echo once. In Remember Echo, when he, right. When he entered Atlantis, and yes. a double-page spread of the glyphs. But it was still, yeah, even it wasn't a double-page splash. It was a big panel that stretched mm. across to it, but then there were smaller And then there were more panels. the bottom of it, yeah. As you are reading this comic, the whole language of the comic changes as Sonic falls out of the window... And Robotnik goes, no, the Master Emerald! In this action shot, we're below the falling Sonic, Master Emerald, and Egg Robots. Robotnik is disappearing up. Everything about this panel, Robotnik's fear of the Emerald falling, all of it, tells you this is a long way down. He's falling just through the air now. And then you turn the page, and your whole world just IMAXes Mm. out. (laughs) IMAXes, right? Yeah, that's it. A full double-page spread of Sonic plummeting to his doom, where his doom is towards the camera in this particular case. Yeah. Egg Robo streaming out behind him, firing lasers all around him as the floating island fires again and the Death Egg starts to explode in the background. Looks like it's all over for the Death Egg. Yeah. And beams of light shooting out of the Death Egg. As the island blow up fills up half, like more than half of the available space. The big ball of plasma is zapping a big laser which has all rings, <laughs> rings of laser around it into the side of the Death Egg. Something blasts out of one of the eyes of the Death Egg as bits of it goes, flipping heck. Oh. Christ. No, to pause for one second. Okay. If I just, just, just oh. for a second, if I just put my cynical hat on just for a second and then whip it really? right off after I'm done. I'm going to knock it straight off your head. Go I on. I know, I know, I know. This is unworthy. Go on. But Kitching knew he wanted to do three parts. Mm-hmm. And he had his end points spaced out for where he wanted those three parts to be. And last issue, there were like two pages that could have very easily just been one, but we needed to fill out the comic just enough to get there. That's what allows us to have a double page spread here for maximum impact. <laughs> because the story is just paced so yeah. that it allows it, and we don't have to... And that's as cynical as I can possibly be. Oh, I because, see, right. Because, god damn! <laughs> this is just a, a masterpiece. You have that as a poster. I mean, someone will own this artwork, won't they? Someone will. This will be one of the first ones snapped up by like moneyed STC fans. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? Write to us. Take a photo of yourself with your two page spread up on your wall. I hope you've put it up on your wall. I hope you haven't just put it in a folder somewhere and you never see it. Oh, you'd want (laughs) to see this. Yeah. You don't make this without having fun. Look at it. Hell. Whenever you're working on a licensed book like this, you really have no idea when the hammer's going to fall at all. Yeah. And given that this was, like, the last Sonic game with mm. no news of anyone's on the horizon, mm. it could have been this was just where he just left nothing on the floor, as they say, you know? Mm-hmm. Just fully went to town, did the... And, the, you know, there's a reason. It's the one everyone remembers. It's the reason it's the Golden Age, you know? Yeah. Would as much ass ever be whipped? <laughs> 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 we'll we'll find out, won't we? Next issue, down and out as we head uh-huh. into the third and final part of Disaster and the end of the seven part long Sonic and Knuckles saga. Oh Christ. It's alright, innit? <laughs> Save 
Vegas snowboarding. So this is odd, right? So yeah, you'll have noticed we have no review zone yet. No, mm. in place of where the normal two pages of the review zone goes, we have a two-page text and photo featurette. We haven't had one of those in a while. No. Yeah. No, it was about ten issues ago that we were first told in the control zone that Sega were sponsoring the UK's uh, professional snowboarding team. Mm-hmm. So this follows on from that. And I, I, once again, I took to Google to try and find out some more about this, but there is almost no, never mind information, acknowledgement <laughs> of the fact that this even happened on the internet. Yeah. That Sega sponsored the UK Professional Snow. The, hence, the Sega 32X Professional Snowboarding Team was born, it says here in dramatic bold font. You have to imagine that what happened is that Probably just because it was cool and sports, but maybe even because of the ice cap zone. Sega were like, cool, let's sponsor some snowboarding. And the thing is... I hadn't thought of the ice cap connection, but you're probably yeah, right. Yeah, it may be. But the thing is, there isn't really any, is there, snowboarding? It's really niche. People weren't particularly into it. We all acknowledge, like, if, if we ever saw someone snowboarding, we would all have gone like, cool. But it wasn't a sport that you heard about. It wasn't on the telly. No, hold on. I, I, this okay. is the thing. You and I not sports people, no. so we can't speak to this. This True. is the thing. The way this article presents it here. Think snowboarding, the sport which hails from California that's like surfing, skateboarding, and skiing all in one. So they have to, like, tell us what it is, mm. because this was a new thing. Mm. But... So this article is about how Sega invited some well-known faces to spend the day on the slippery slopes at the team's favourite training spot, the Snowdome, the only snow-filled indoor slope on Europe. So this is another one of those uh, press events where several celebrities of the day came. And one of the celebrities here is Normski who was a yes. television presenter, and he was there to present a special edition of Channel 4's Bored Stupid. Oh, Dave, that was a snowboarding show. Oh there my was God. an hour-long snowboarding <laughs> TV show on Channel 4 on Sunday mornings Fair in 1995. Enough. So yeah, so no. So yeah, so no. So yeah, so no. Although we didn't give a rats. <laughs> no, this was the hip new cool thing that Fair was enough. intruding on the British perception of skiing as being for moneyed yuppies. Oh yes, of course, right. This was youth culture. Yeah, okay, yeah. And and who more youth culture to send to have their photo taken in this than Deck and Ant, otherwise known as PJ and Duncan. Deck and Ant, that's illegal. (laughs) You're not allowed to write it like that. It hurts to say it. Deck and Ant. Deck and Ant. I didn't even, like, I I was about to say, what on God's earth are you talking about to you? And then I noticed that that's what it says in the caption. That's what it says. Because they were better known as PJ and Duncan. That was their stage name at the time, these two men, whose real names are Ant and Deck, or... Declan and Anthony. Those were the names of their characters on children's BBC drama, soap opera, Biker Grove. So we're going for chips then? If you like. Having a pie? If you like. I might have a tarantula in butter. What do you think? Alright. You've been like this all day. It's you and Debbie, isn't it? You've had a fight, haven't you? No. It's nothing like that. It's just... I think I might have let her down. Why? What have you done? Can I tell you, man, don't I? Does Debbie know? No. So what's the problem? And uh, that's how they were known, and they, they were a musical act under that name for a time. Video never killed the radio star. I'm tuned in at home and in my car. 24-7, 7-11. There better be radio when I get... 
get to heaven Luck to the fucking cheap places We never see you've got more pedigree than a Rolls Royce Anytime you're my number one choice Are you a person or simply a voice? But we have arrived at a point in time uh, where they were uh, separating themselves from that identity. Oh. They proceeded to hit the slopes on the snow, and judging by the evidence, spent most of their time testing out the padding. <laughs> no doubt their TV show, <gasps> Ant and Deck, oh. is more of a success. Yes, because this is at the point in time whenever they were presenting their own, like, uh, kids show uh, on BBC. Ant and Deck, it was called. They did it for two years, I think, and then they went over to Channel 4. For Ant and Deck Unzipped, which was a six o'clock, half six show. Okay. So uh, aimed a little bit older. And my memory of it was that they got in a bit of trouble for um, pushing the envelope on BBC uh, of the limits of what was uh, acceptable for kids. They they would have BAFTA for the show. Mm -hmm. But yeah, my memory is, but again, I can't find anything uh, specific about it online aside from like casual mentions on forums and whatever that they got in a bit of trouble about the content of the show and then they went over to Channel 4 and hence the title, Unzipped of the Channel 4 show because it was a bit for olders. Then a year after that, SMTV back on ITV. Then a couple of years after that, the uh, the presenting on yeah. Saturday started. God, that's uh, and that's. I've ne- I do not remember them having a show called Anton Deck. I I really don't remember that. And I guess that was like that was what solidified that that's the way around. You got to say it. Yep. Because yeah, it was. <laughs> so PJ and Duncan, right? The one and only famous storyline ever on Biker Grove that everyone remembers is. I don't. So you could, I'm going to be learning about this for the first time. I didn't watch Biker Grove. It was a heap of shit. Move on. <laughs> Neither did I at this time, but I just know about this. Is that one of Anton Deck got blinded in a paintball accident? Uh, oh, paintball! How nineties? Yes. I should have guessed there was something up. What are we going to do? I'm going over there to stop it. Alright man, you're all right. I'm here. It's in his eyes, look at his eyes! Shut up, man! Jackson, Jeff! Alright, Pepper. Jeff! Sorry, son, just Jeff. relax. He can't see, can he? Call an ambulance, Duncan. He can't see, man! Oh, boy! And it was the one that's Ant. I don't know which one's PJ and which one's Duncan. You know, I don't either. No. Ant and Deck. And I don't know. I don't. Know. Well, the fact that they've specifically written a deck and ant would maybe imply yeah. that that's the way the names map on. Yeah. But so it's probably. I Duncan. genuinely don't know, and I refuse to look it up. Indeed, I only know which ones ant and which ones deck because I go, okay, challenge ant. Okay. Exactly. Oh my god, that is exactly how I remember which one is ant and which one is deck. Which one was the one that got challenged in challenge ant? Challenge ant, because you remember that from as Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, so he got blinded, and it was only temporary, but it was a story as if he'd had his whole eyeball shot out, and that was what the drama of it was. <clears throat> and then I guess they, probably on the show, did songs. They formed a little bedroom pop act or something, and then in real life they became a genuinely, extremely popular pop act. Like, before sure, they yeah. were presented. Let's get ready, ready, let's get ready, 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 let's get ready to rumble. Watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic. Psych. Yeah, I can sing more of that. I'm not going to, but like they had at least one single that everybody knew. And my friend had their album. And I want to track down the final track of it because the last track on the album was just them chatting on. That's our first album done, mate. Craig, yeah. Well done. I, I can't believe we broke the Beatles record, mate. What? What's that? Well, they they did their first album in 14 hours. Yeah. You know that? 
I didn't believe it was possible to do an album in 37 and a half minutes. The only bit I remember is one of them goes, whoops, there goes my knickers again too. <laughs> I tell you, I'll fact you tomorrow and we'll go and see that great comedy play that's down at the West End. <laughs> oh, that's so brilliant. It's a new farce called, oops, there goes my knickers again too. It's such a great laugh. Would you <laughs> like to go? Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, now, probably, you know, in the top five most recognisable TV presenters in the UK, yeah? Yeah, if not seems top, fair to me. If yeah. not top two. <laughs> I mean... Both of them, or just as one entry, <laughs> one top. I can't top decide. Shared or <laughs> can't decide, but they're right at the top because not only did they do your, your Saturday evening light entertainment stuff for ages and ages, they did you know one of the talent show ones. They were the hosts oh, yeah. of that, weren't Brad's they? Got talent. Yeah. yeah, I think they did Pop Idol as well. Oh, yeah, they've probably. More, yeah. I think they've done more than one. Yeah, yeah. And they've got their own show. And they're still never going to go away. And yet, and like, and they're still doing the same dumb shit they did on SMTV, where they have a little comedy cutaway serial mm. in the middle of the program and everything and it's are like, they still doing that they still do that yeah it's, huh. it's not chums no enough, but ah <laughs> uh, fair yeah, play they still to do them. that on their own show and it's like yeah yeah there's a reason they have persevered well in addition to them uh, what else was uh, after some coaching ultimate chaos proved to be unstoppable and we're soon cruising the snow with the best of them proving just how easy snowboarding can be now they say ultimate chaos with as little context as PJ and Duncan were given. <laughs> Honestly, when I was reading this yesterday, I was like, were Ant and Deck calling themselves Ultimate Chaos at the time or something? It's the way to just... Yeah, just... <laughs> I mean, given that they got the cover line and they were only the first paragraph, and yeah. then there's a, a couple more guys. Um, yeah. Um, but I have no notion of who these people were. Dave, did you investigate? Okay, okay. so I looked into this. Ultimate All Chaos. Right. Ultimate that's ca- oh, sorry, sorry. That's Chaos. Yes. K-A-O-S. Yes. Because it was the 90s. Yeah, Chaos. Ultimate Chaos. So, Ultimate Chaos. They were a uh, they were a group. They were a musical group, and um, uh, I think it's a relative. I've never heard of Ultimate Chaos before this moment. See when I look them up, they're unfamiliar. I don't recognise any of their records. There is a picture of them here with their snowboards, but they're nope, just they're guys with that. snowboards. Just, just blokes, yep. Four guys with snowboards. Right. So. When I was looking up who are who are these people and uh, one of their like top songs was called um, Hoochie Booty and mm, so I thought okay. I thought oh okay that 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 sounds like the sort of song where it's like is this group appropriate for yeah being in Sonic the Comic so I was like okay yes, yes, yes. what are the lyrics to Hoochie Booty and I looked it up I looked up the song and I, I found out something interesting about the song by looking it up I then looked up the lyrics. I'm going to quote you some of the lyrics from Please. Hoochie Booty by Ultimate Chaos, featured here in Sonic the Comic. So, For children. Yeah. Uh, me and my homies on the prowl. Uh, I make no apologies. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. It's just even you saying I'm, it. I can't uh, do it. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not going to attempt to make this sound right. Me and my homies on the prowl, coming to the club with a hip-hop style. Where are the girlies play? Walked through the door. To my surprise, all I saw was Daisy Dukes and Thighs. Feels like my lucky day. Now, the thing about this song is, it's so ill-remembered that it's very difficult to find. There's no, It's not even on those lyric sites or anything, so I had to piece this mm-hmm. together from, like, you know, people reminiscing. But this is the best... Like, I think these are basically the lyrics, okay? And over there, looking in my eyes, baby, you make my nature rise, honey. Uh, that line, understandably altered in the music video and Top of the Pops performance, uh, from you make my nature rise to I want to make you mine. Um, if it's to be played on live and kicking, you can't have erections in it. No. I went in on attack, no turning back, because I knew I was stepping to a bona fide hoochie. 
hoochie booty. Bodies were freaking on the floor. I felt like a kid in a candy store. I won't go on for much longer, Chris, don't worry. Hoochie toochie, girls in hot bootsies. I love to see it, baby, when you pop that coochie on the dance floor or in the bedroom. That line also censored in the video and on top of the pop. I was gonna say. Um, what I want to tell you about this group next, Chris, mm. having told you that, mm-hmm. their average age was 14. Oh, come on. One of them One of them was nine. What? When he joined Which one? When he joined. It means well, I suspect the thing is there's four of them in this picture and five in the group, so it could be the youngest one wasn't even allowed there. They were little They're little boys, Chris. They are small, Uh, little they are boys. I did the math. The one who joined when he was nine, the oldest he could have possibly been when they did that song was 11 or maybe pushing 12. They are little boys. Simon Cowell has always been a monster. Cowell was behind these guys. He was behind these guys. And so, like, you know. Talk about their nose getting hard. Yeah. Popping coochie. Having to censor that stuff about popping coochie in the bedroom. That's the average age. I don't know how old the oldest one was. Oh, but what's really funny is that one of their performances on them, they've got this song called Casanova where they try and, like, they're trying to do a sexy song. But the thing is, on top of the pops, they look a bit older and you're like, okay, now I can understand why you would allow this to happen. And then they start singing and they're lip syncing to a record they recorded before their voices broke. So there's these, like, (laughs) these buff teenage boys being like, oh, baby. so gross i hate simon cowell oh, so <laughs> I, I hate this i hate the pop industry it's gross uh, h- had you heard of stilt skin before this article um it was in the back of my mind are they the one that did that levi's commercial as described? that's how it's described yeah. here the band behind that levi's commercial guitar solo they ended up at the bottom of the slope covered in snow so they didn't do so well from the sides of things yeah i had to go and look up the ad ah. because it didn't ring any bells no. um and even at watching it i was like i maybe remember this anyway it's about like an amish family yes. who go out for a picnic and two girls sneak off to the nearby swimming hole yes the eldest of the two girls the teenager from hocus pocus really well there you go <laughs> and uh, a muscled gentleman is rising up out of the waters and uh, they snatch his levi's away from the shore thinking they might get a sight of his rising nature <laughs> uh, but he comes up out of the water and was wearing his jeans in the water yeah um and then some old bearded prospector comes right yeah. the corner and it turns out it was his jeans they were huffing that's oh, the thing hilarious. chris i have written the word huffing because <laughs> that's what they're doing these two yeah. girls they get his they get the trousers that they think belong to this hot naked guy and they're like <laughs> i'd like <laughs> to right propose that huff my jeans become this podcast's <laughs> new insult of choice uh, somebody write that in the stc font ah uh, dave would you ever huff my jeans <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's because back in the oldie times when the ad was set, 
the mm. jeans were only made shrink to fit, which is mm-hmm. why he was in the water. With yes, it. it comes up as a little punchline. Doesn't None it? that had that has anything to do with the uh, the band <laughs> or the music, which I imagine you will have playing under yes. this narration. It's a very it, I, once I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, I don't remember ever seeing the advert, but the tune. And yes. uh, we mentioned Normski already when he wasn't riding the slopes with the professionals. He could be found checking out the hot new games on Sega's superb 32X. Mm. So yeah, this was a proper press event where they had a 32X set up. Looks like he's having a great time on it there as well. It does. He looks perfectly happy, doesn't he? Yeah. And and, and although what he's playing on is a Mega Drive and a Mega CD. Uh, well, you look at the bulge. It's right there on top. Yep. Well, isn't that the 32x wait what right here on the, on the side facing us above chris yeah i you know what i've gone and done here i've read the word 32x and i've thought they're saying saturn ah there yeah you okay so of course it's a 32x forget all of that i mean it doesn't just show you how you just mentally leap over one to the other <laughs> it, the, yeah i do not believe in the existence of the 32x it's the fact that they're <laughs> urban legend it's an urban legend that never happened it's the fact that in the launch year of the Saturn, they're doing a press event, but they're doing a 32X event, apparently. That's really throwing me for a loop. Why isn't it a Saturn event? Well, the Saturn is still a little ways away from happening, isn't it? And the 32X is out yeah. already. It's, it was, sure, look, your, your mind is living in the now times whenever is, we hear about is. things years before they actually get made. Yeah. This was like, well, they make them and put them on the market first, and then people are allowed to play them. <laughs> yeah. It just amazes me that the I, what I'd forgotten here is that they are desperately trying to sell the 32x that is something that's been erased from my memory of time that anyone ever tried to get me to buy a 32x because <laughs> it, it it worked so poorly but knuckles existed mm-hmm. chaotix did happen all right speaking of things that have gone poorly are you as outraged as i am about <laughs> these photographs of the professional snowboarders uh, neil mcnab and steve bally which have just been stretched to fit it, it, they, yeah yes there isn't. They've got the ratio all wrong. Nothing infuriates me more. It's like, well, we need to fill this space with something. Stretch to fit. No. Yeah, exactly. Now, now, look. What I will give them is that that was something people did in the nineties. I can picture, you know, oddly stretched footage of these guys doing those same things on TV. Yeah, that's that true. works on, you know, while Mister Motivator is introducing you to the Power Rangers, he's <laughs> showing footage of this sort of stuff as well. Not the state Steve's in, anyway. It's stretched in the wrong direction. Where at least Neil is stretched in the way that you would expect it to be on television. Neil does look cool. Uh, by the way, Neil McNabb spelt wrong. Even I've looked him up. He has a single B oh, in his oh, name, Neil yeah. McNabb. Uh, but they stretched his name to fit because it needed to be longer. <laughs> the article closes out that this has all sounded like an ideal way to spend some time <laughs> chilling out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Snowboarding. All right, moving on. There is a review zone. Review zone. Review zone. Just about. I mean, it barely qual. I, t- I, I, I approached this single-page review zone with tremendous trepidation. For uh, it is a yeah. review of Brian Lara Cricket by Nick Prats. And that's all. And that's, that's all boring to start with. But yep. then it also feels desperately like Prots is circling the event horizon of the Takushi Gibbon singularity <laughs> as he just starts <laughs> listing stuff. But then, but then suddenly, 
halfway <laughs> through the review, Flavor returns, as it turns out, he's really just <laughs> listing all this because he's a big cricket dork. This is the thing. He admits he's a big cricket that's, dork. Yeah, that's what gives it honesty. Yeah, and the rest of us, he admits, won't like this game. He's like, hands up, this is a boring game. I like it because I like cricket. If you like cricket, you'll probably like it because cricket is boring and you've demonstrated you like boring things. <laughs> His quote... For cricket non-enthusiasts, it will almost certainly be both dull and largely unintelligible. I love it. <laughs> yes, Brilliant. I like that. Because that's what the whole preceding review has come off as, yes. And actually, that has the effect of kind of recommending the game. Suddenly, yes. it sounds quite good. Because it's like, okay, this is an authentic... You know, you're not just mucking about here. This is If you are into cricket to the point where you would want to misuse a Mega Drive by playing cricket on it... Here's what you're going to want to do. Start by setting your fielders to automatic until you've oh grasped the finer points of stopping a boundary. Okay, sure, whatever, yeah. That right. very idea, just the fact that the game is so complicated that you have to be an expert in it to so much as catch the ball. I just appreciate his honesty. He starts out just by listing the menu, you know, you have a number of options, including new match, test series, and match settings and i'm like oh, oh, no we've reached the point that's like this is where yeah. all reviewers in stc end up they just list off what the screen says i would even go as far as to say that he's gone a step further because what he's basically said there is you have a number of options including options <laughs> <laughs> even takushi never went that far <laughs> and uh, yeah then he just describes how the, i mean literally just to be fair it's actually a bit more than you usually get from one of these where he then just does describe how the game is played how you yes. pick your players and what what you direct them to do and everything in the process yeah. of playing the game. But then, yeah, the whole second column is him going, yeah, this is all like, I like cricket. This is a good representation of cricket. It's more fun with multiple people. And I recognize that if you don't like cricket, you're not going to give a rat's. Yeah. <laughs> What's the thing he says about a duck or something that makes me go, oh God, he knows the terminology. He closes it out by saying, better still, I had the pleasure of bowling Brian Lara for a duck at our first encounter. I well, know that's a cricket term, but that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, no idea what it means. <laughs> and yet he still only gives it 73% because it is not a good one-player game. Shinobi. Shinobi. One, two, three. Power of the Elements, part six. Written by Alan McKenzie, art by John Howard, letters by Tom Frame. Musashi and the Roofworlders face off against the Four Elements for the second time. Musashi is able to incapacitate Air by using her power of flight against her, causing her to crash and knock herself out. But Katomi Sensei falls victim to Fire, who strikes him with the lethal Poison Hand technique. Ah, cool. I like this one. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's... They're all um, doing magic fighting at each other. Yeah, no, I mean... I gotta be honest, like, my big takeaway from this is that this is part six, and this isn't over. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah. What? We it's haven't had going. anything go over six parts since Wonder Boy, which was only the original Wonder Boy back when, which was only longer because it it was shorter number of pages. Yeah. 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 I can only assume there's one more part to this. Must be. But, um... It's just fighting again, isn't it? It's something that we've said about this for, like, the last three or four parts on the trot now. Yeah. It's just fighting. It's just a, an extended action sequence. But finally, it's the sort of fighting that I want to read. So, you like, get down with. Yeah. You, you open on a, a full page picture that basically starts top left with a guy just like vomiting fire on someone yeah. else who's making a magic shield. There's one flying. They're all doing all the different stuff. Air blows. 
Musashi over the edge of the roof while gloating that he can't fly like she can, seeding mm. that she can. So he grips onto the edge, he launches himself up to where he can grab her. Her power's not strong enough to fly with them both, so they plummet. Musashi's like, he's saying, oh, as a ninja, I'm not afraid to die. But then he steers her into a wall and knocks her out. <laughs> I wonder, does he steer her or does he shift her bandana so she can't see where she's going? Oh, he is. He's fiddling with his bandana, yeah. isn't he? Never saw that. It looked to me at first as if he fell over the edge of the building. She flew over there to gloat at him. He grabbed her. They both plummeted down to the floor. And then I originally I thought they hit the floor, but then, no, they're hitting something. No, they're just sort of looping wildly at about rooftop level. Yeah, yeah, they're just whipping around. They crash around. into a rooftop access door. Mm, yeah. I think it's slightly confused by, like, how far, either how far down they get or that he's drawn a taller building than the one they're fighting That's on. what it is, yes. Yeah. Uh, the angle shifts, so they suddenly appear below the heights of the buildings yeah. when, you know, they're really level with, uh, Other buildings. with uh, the building they've just come off of. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, but whatever, you turn the page, and the old guy pulls a lightsaber out yeah, of his fingers. Goes, <laughs> <laughs> just puts his fingers together, pulls them apart, and makes a bow staff lightsaber. <laughs> yeah! Just made out of whatever his power is. It's gone Full nonsense now. Yeah. yeah, there's no explanation for what this power is whatsoever. No, we still <laughs> it doesn't don't know. matter in this like like we got the other roof worlders using it as well, and Earth just be like, So the old man has been teaching you his magic tricks. Well it will do you no good against my earth power. And it's like that's all you need just because the other guys do not have blue glowing fists, and it's like that's how they're going to narratively justify the other elements being occupied while these fights with fire and air happen. So what the poison hand technique is that, that fire. Oh does. what a great visual this is isn't it so good so fire with activated on fire hands hands are on fire yeah he basically just does a full hand sort of slap onto the rib cage of the old man but the handprint stays there in fire yeah big flaming handprint and he knows he's seen it before he's like poison hand technique and fire goes correct you'll be dead within the hour and, you know, we leave just as the old man is basically buckling over already. But you don't need any more information. It doesn't matter what or how. It's, it's just in the name. Let- Poison hand technique. Yes. And there's magic ninja stuff there's, happening. It's literally yeah. all you need. Yeah. It's so good. I like this issue a lot. And I don't disagree with you. I like it for what it is. It's a lot of big, silly ninja fun. Uh-huh. But I do have to say, with it not even over at six parts, and yeah. at least one more part to come, and the cliffhanger being literally exactly the same cliffhanger that happened at the end of their first fight with these guys, Mm. which was when Katomi Sensei got shot and fell down. Oh, yeah. It's like, I don't even really understand how they stretched this to seven parts because there's nothing here. It's just fighting. And there's nothing wrong with just action. Really, it should probably be that if it's Shinobi, but still. There's no big idea here. And it's, you know, this is maybe a bit more finale talk. If if mm-hmm. next issue is the last part, and then that, that means that's it for Shinobi, mm. I am put in mind of Streets of Rage's finale as well, where it is so apparent to me now with hindsight mm-hmm. that those strips were, like, solicited. The creators were hired on to do two serials out of the gate. You know, yeah. that's why Mark Miller had work in the comic as late into its run as he did, up yeah. to, like, nearly issue 30, whenever he was long gone from it. Because they were hired on to do those 
at the start out mm-hmm. of the gate two shinobis and two streets of rages and the two streets of rages together provide an origin and assemble the full cast of streets of rage 2 and functionally take mr x down by revealing all his secrets to the world mm-hmm. and the two shinobis taken together end with musashi rescuing naoko from the neo zed yeah like those two serials for each of those things taken together form functionally complete sagas and the third serials for each of them while they have been entertaining mm-hmm. are very much well, well what's 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 next then mm. and you know we got they got a different writer on for streets of rage to go well they're doing a whole 80s action movie thing here well let's do the warriors and shinobi is we never really did anything with those elemental guys maybe we'll do something with them what will we do with them fight them a bunch of times fight them yeah that's literally all it's got like you know it's not that the roof worlder idea isn't intriguing but there's nothing more to it than you know this old man gets progressively more magical but still but then the then the baddies come and do progressively more evil things so it's just perfectly like exciting entertaining magical martial arts action but there's there's nothing else going on and it's um We'll see how it wraps up, but I got a strong suspicion it'll wrap up with the four elements running away and Sensei doing some kind of magic healing to himself, and mm. that's exactly like last time. Oh god, if it is, that would be a disappointment, because then that is it for Shinobi then, and it's just... Yeah, that's how it would wrap up, yeah. If it ends with them all just going home. Yeah, I don't know if he'll beat or capture... Because I, I, as I said many times in the... Well, I guess now I'm really realising why I don't remember what yeah. happened in this serial, because the answer is nothing really (laughs) they just fought but uh, I guess we'll see next issue this is a legit Sega pinup what we've got here across two pages in the centre fold is a clean version of the cover art from Sonic Drift 2 yeah it is a lovely one you you wish you could have had more things like this yeah Proper Sega Sonic artwork of this time is still held up and sought after and thought of as nice. And I I had no idea. I did not remember that this was printed. And what it is, it's a lovely little illustration of basically everybody, you know, you know, you know what it is. They're driving in their cars. Sonic is closest to us, tails and knuckles behind. And then some comedy gubbins going off in the background. Robotnik has turned over. Yeah. Amy's there with Metal Sonic on her heels and Knack the Weasel is upside down. Yes, what's he doing? I think he's had a little crash as well, and he's sort of yeah. flipping upside down. But he, it looks like he's got a kind of a, maybe a bike, more of a bike-shaped thing. And yeah, isn't that, I think he maybe had that in Triple Trouble? Oh, did maybe? he? I can't swear to it. Mm, let's just have a little fang the sniper. <laughs> okay, his aero bike is called The Marvelous Queen. Of Japan. <laughs> the marvelous queen. I mean, they have they have done that thing that you don't like. I'm not a big fan of it either, mm-hmm. but I feel like you hate it more mm-hmm. than I do. Uh, where they've put the Sonic the Comic logo. Well, basically, like if this is the cover of the game, yeah. then uh, the proportions aren't quite right to fill out the double page spread. So there's a large <laughs> empty area up at the top of of the art uh, where they have just continued on the yellow sky background to fill mm. out the rest of the space and placed the Sonic the Comic logo in it and Sonic Drift Racing, the exciting... Not the logo of the game. This is my just, objection. This is my objection. Yeah. The actual... Technically, this is good because it's a quote-unquote clean version of the cover art without the big logo covering it all up unfortunately instead of that yeah they've just written sonic drift racing in crappy boring normal letters instead and an awful little tagline underneath it says yeah, this was the thing i thought you were really gonna oh be mad God. about yeah a sega sational pinup for your bed room oh 
don't mind the pun, but it seems just like unnecessary. No, this is our bread and butter. But <laughs> the fact that they've written it all over this, what would have been a poster had they not done that? <laughs> well, you can slice that bit off and pin it up that way. You know? Actually, you can. What's on the What's on the back of it? Ah, oh, it's Shinobi mm-hmm. on the back. It's not coming out of the comic at all. I'm afraid. Let alone getting sliced. Tragic. Oh well. Good try though, and it's nice to have. Basically, what is nice about it is that we've got here a really big print of the art for you know you can just you can't really pin it up but you can look at it and be like oh there it is i'm looking at it it's got a you know an, an almost carl flint-esque uh airbrush yeah, yeah, look the to old it. airbrush style yeah. yeah i can't to be honest like i can't imagine that artwork like that for a game as niche as mm. sonic drift could that even exist on the internet in as high a quality as a nice 600 dpi scan of that would get you very unlikely i certainly didn't find it when i went to check that that was what it was yeah somebody want to get that scan get a little clean up get those staples cleaned up or get that up share that on the internet yeah exactly because this isn't even in it's not in the scan, so anyone reading along with us won't have seen this. Obviously, you can just look up the cover art for the game. But, uh, yeah, what a shame. Knuckles! Knuckles versus the Cyber Nick. Written by Lou Stringer. Art by John Moore. Letters by Elita Fell. Short Fuse pursues a fleeing badnik to the floating island, where he runs into Knuckles, who believes him to be a regular badnik and attacks him. The pair exchange blows for a bit before the Cybernik decides to break off their pointless fight and head home, but as he departs, he spots a squad of badniks sneaking up on Knuckles and blasts them to bits. Knuckles realises Short Fuse is one of the good guys and apologises for the misunderstanding. It all works out in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, that's how it goes, you know? This is Lou Stringer bringing back Short Fuse after just uh, just a couple of issues, really, hasn't it been? Not too long yeah, at all. Barely any time Short Fuse for the first time. He's, uh, he's going to be... Uh, you know, to be, uh, like we were saying back in the cover, memories get jumbled. I don't know mm-hmm. how long I, I don't know if I ever really recognized Short Fuse as being away, or if he was always just sort of around after he was introduced, or if he was a. Yeah, I don't. I don't really remember how I thought of him, but it's apparent that he will not be absent for long because you know he'll he'll be back quite soon after this again. Too. And Lou Stringer has established that he's very comfortable bringing in characters and keeping them in, mm. as we'll see in a couple of pages. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But uh, the thing that stands out to me in this one is is the artwork. This is... Yes! The, now, I think this is John Moore, as in... We've talked about him before, because he's the bloke who, I think, drew the Zig and Zag comics. Yes, I uh, seeing the style in front of me now... Uh, yeah, just looking uh, yes. at the faces of those uh, Badnik monkeys, you know, it's like, yeah, there, there he Definitely is. Definitely feels right. So this is the one thing he would ever draw for STC, as far as I know. Oh. And, um... It's not a, no. I, I tell you what. I do remember as a kid not liking this. Uh huh. Yeah, I didn't like this art when I was a kid. I think I appreciate it a little more now, but it yeah. just doesn't feel at home in Sonic the Comic. I think I'm the same if, way. If, yeah, yeah. If, if this you know is, what I mean, yeah. yeah, I do. I, this is someone who is good at drawing, mm. but uh, it doesn't quite suit this comic exactly. Now that being said, this is an action story. This is a superhero. Short Fuse's introductory story. Although you may not have got the vibe from the first couple of parts of it, by its final part, where he was jetting off into the sky to wage a one-squirrel war on crime, using the powers that fate had given him, uh, yeah. that had forced him apart from his fellow man, you know, that Short Fuse was being played as a superhero. And this one-piece installment is very much following on with that, doing the traditional superhero genre team-up story, where the two characters have a misunderstanding and fight first, then oh, realise, yeah. oh, actually, you're all right at the end. Oh, yeah, you're right there. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Of course it is, yeah. But of course, you don't you didn't recognise it right away because it's Knuckles. So it's not... It's, it's Knuckles, not, yeah. 
it's that story which normally happens because it's that story and the, the characters yeah. who are normally quite rational pleasant people are gonna have a misunderstanding and fight gosh darn it regardless of of who they are as people whereas knuckles yeah if some stranger turns up on the floating island he is yeah this is the first thing he is gonna do yeah yeah and because he's one of the normal sonic characters and not part of this sort of little superhero pocket that mm. short fuse represents it took me a while to really put the two together yeah but you're right that is what it is but no of the artwork i'm you know we said that it sort of doesn't really fit but actually in this issue it kind of does because we've got the second part of the sonic's world in a minute it's gary andrews so we've got a back end of the comic that's basically cartoony sonic stuff and uh in that regard, I do like it. I like this. I like. I like the way he draws Knuckles. It's I not do, quite yeah. right. It's, yeah, but it's just nice to look at. It, what it is is that he's managed to figure out how to draw Knuckles, which is difficult just by itself, mm. in a completely different style, uh, in a way that basically usually satisfies me. There's a couple of panels where you're like, nah, that doesn't really work, but mm. um, just drawing him, just drawing him as a little glowery. Mostly, it's the action shots. Yes. Well, the two is. times he punches short fuse specifically, and the dreadlocks yeah. go flying, and they just seem to all be. Uh, yeah, that's uh, always irrelevant. tricky, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the lengths don't seem right. They just seem to blossom from wherever. Yes, he just head. becomes a sort of octopus head, doesn't he? The punches don't work so well most of the time. You know, there's not a lot mm. of. Um, it's not very kinetic art. You know, this basically it's yeah. comedy art in an action story. In fact, yeah. it's one of the more. Probably the most straightforward action story Lou Stringer has ever done in the comics so far. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like you got this panel on page two where Knuckles jumps up and bops the badnik, but the way the motion lines are done is such that it, he's just sort of mm. full body levitating. Yeah. But then the uh, the punch where he uh, knocks Shorty and sends him flying the old Sal Bashima Sunday punch that sends him knocking over backwards the crack on page three as he properly bops him a whole full half page panel mm. of Shorty Fuse being sent flying. That works, nice big kinetic panel. But you see how there's no motion lines on Shorty's body. The art oh, itself yeah. takes the motion. Yeah. But then again, uh, you have this panel in on the next page, the, the whap panel, where Knuckles again looks like he just sort of sort of levit. It's this is the panel from the next issue page on last issue where he just yeah. sort of levitates and it looks like he only sort of punches up sideways glances. It doesn't doesn't work. Yeah. And yeah, there's no because there's motion line on him jumping, but there isn't on his fist. It kind of just looks like he's like doing a Superman pose and Shorty kind of just got knocked on the way or something. Yeah, it doesn't really yeah. look like a punch. I don't want to be too down on it though, because no, there's a lot of aspects of it I like, but I yeah. I I'm understanding why I didn't like it so much as a kid. I would never have been able to put this stuff into words as a kid, but I think that's you know. Meanwhile I've always focused in more on funny faces in art yes. than the action yes, yes, yes. stuff so i'm i'm enjoying the way he draws and there's some good funny like this panel on page yeah. two where uh knuckles is like oh save it pal i've had enough of yeah, exactly. slides and it's a little, 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 little crosshead knuckles <laughs> little stink lines radiating off his yeah. head and stuff. Yeah. I, I even like the the one sort of next to that on the next page where he kind of looks more like sonic than knuckles where he's saying you know impressive most bad nicks yeah. being a dozen pieces but i like it because it's a funny face <laughs> so i like i like it when people can draw funny faces <laughs> do you know what's just struck me then is how poor a match that makes him for a short fuse story because mm. he's doing a two-character team-up story where one of the characters can't make faces yeah there is a note on the first page that says this story takes place before current events in the sonic story but then again that that's the same problem as we face with the ice cap zone story because mm. if it takes place before the current story then that means knuckles was still embroiled with the um the marxios well 
Yep. I guess maybe it could have happened while he was on his way from the Casino Night Zone to the Sandopolis Zone. Yeah, maybe there's some little pocket of time somewhere in that story that we can go like, oh, maybe there he milled about for a bit. Or... Well, there's no, we can't really do the ice cap, but uh, but uh, here, yeah, I guess we could say it happened while he was on his way. Because it's such a brief digression. Yeah. Well, I think we can go with Christopher Eccleston on this. They're just releasing some Christopher Eccleston audio dramas of Doctor Who. And when they announced this, the fan base was alight. Because, Mm -hmm. so here's the thing. In his first, his series covers the entirety of the existence of that Doctor. Yeah, yeah, because it begins he hasn't ever seen himself in the first episode. He's checking out his reflection. Fiddling with his ears in the mirror. So people are, oh, hang on, can I guess? Did people ask... When did this happen? And did Chris Eccleston reply, they didn't, it's all made up. Yes. <laughs> I love it! Because he is brilliant for that, for brilliant yeah. for not giving a sh- and just not taking on that nonsense. And it's the right attitude to have, to it be is. honest. I just like to flag it up for completeness sake on the podcast. Yeah. It's just like, don't fucking worry about it, mate. Don't worry about when it. When did it happen? It didn't happen. It's made up. <laughs> so there you go it's just a little story about Knuckles fighting someone it's a few pages there's one part to it yeah just just a way to keep short fuse active in our memories it's a shame they used coconut badniks isn't it though mm. you would rather have had some monkey dudes floating island native badniks is that, is that what they're called monkey dudes you know those little blue guys from the Angel Island Zone they're called monkey dudes I believe that's right wow <laughs> You know, we've already addressed the fact that they were sort of running out of names for bad nicks in Sonic 3. Yeah, well, clearly. <laughs> so, yep, story ends. Knuckles is like, sorry, you have a noble spirit. And Shortfuse is like, sounds corny. I can live with that. Heads off back down to Mobius. Knuckles is just... Uh, an odd line to end on, I thought, for a short fuse story. Uh, a powerful ally in the fight against evil, Knuckles thinks. But if Robotnik ever found a way to control him, he could become the deadliest force on planet Mobius. And I was like, that doesn't feel like it was something that was hanging over Short Fuse after his opening mm. story, you know? And I don't feel like it is again either. So it's no, just kind and of it's an just, odd beat to end on. It's sort of a shame because it's actually a really cool idea. Yeah, yeah. I think the reason Lou's put it in there is just to basically go like, no, this guy's wicked. He's really strong and powerful. <laughs> it's a little bit, isn't it? But you know? it would be cool if he was constantly under threat of being hacked into. Yeah, if Shorty just went ape <laughs> one day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that did happen at some point. Maybe they did do a story. We don't know. Uh, don't maybe. Remember. We'll find out. And I mean, that more than anything else feels like the reason to put this thing, say, this story takes place before current events because no mate the deadliest force on the planet Mobius is the death egg yeah <laughs> a little something else to be worried about right no I don't see Shorty taking out an entire zone just by zapping it once it's the second part or the conclusion of the Earthworm Jim special and you got anything? I got nothing um I wanted to flag up that it's introduced as being written by Durham's darling David Gibbons <laughs> I did miss that because I my yeah. eyes just bounced off the page yeah. so much. Durham's, Durham's darling, darling David Gibbon <laughs> reveals more level secrets in the conclusion to Earthworm Jim. Well, is he Durham? I was like, is he Durham's darling? Is that just has he just written that because he wanted some copy and he's like, well, I'm from Durham, so I'll put this. Yeah, or was yeah, he famous in Durham and famous no. in rhyme? No, <laughs> <laughs> I can safely say no. Um, 
Did you ever, you know, I don't think we ever talked about it. You, it might have been a bit too late on for you, but mm-hmm. did you ever watch the Earthworm Jim cartoon? Oh, yeah, no, I did. I watched all oh, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The reason the cartoon popped into my brain was uh, just Professor Monkey for a Head is one of mm. the level bosses they mention here. And he yeah. was tremendous on the cartoon. Yeah, sorry about that. Charlie Adler voiced him, and he was always, uh, he, he was, if you didn't get it from the name, the character was a professor who had a monkey for a head. Just a monkey for was, a head. It was a whole monkey yep. attached to yep. the top of his own head. And the the monkey's head was connected to his head and i don't remember if i think they had one set of eyes and it was, and it was yeah it was just a, a monkey fully on growing out of the top of his head and uh, he would argue with this monkey over the course of the uh, the cartoon and the monkey just ook, ook. the professor would get very irate within his catchphrase in the show was must you badger me ah <laughs> uh, that was a good show yeah it was good it was good earthworm jim but would you go back to it that's the question i mean that cartoon is the only mm. reason i know that whole mantra from dune oh you must not fear fear is the mind killer fear is the little death that brings total oblivion oh uh, was that in earthworm jim i don't remember yeah that was peter puppy's personal mantra to stop him turning into that big purple monster oh, thing that he turned into oh i remember he would get now. under stress yeah. you see that went right over my head and nobody told me oh i didn't know no i only find out years later that it was from dune as far as i was yeah. concerned that was the thing from earth Earthworm Jim? Yeah. Huh. See, when I read Dune, which I did, I don't know, five to ten years ago, I was just like, oh, this from pop culture. I've heard this. And it that was, I expected that because it's from Dune, you know? Yeah, I didn't realize it was from Earthworm Jim. Oh, Never having that. read June, I have no memory of uh, of how I learned that that was the case. But yeah. I read June for the express purpose that I couldn't believe that anyone liked the film Dune, which I watched. <laughs> and it was just, I literally couldn't believe it. I'm like, but people like this. That makes no sense. So I read the book. And then I went back to the film. I'm like, oh, okay, now, now any of this makes sense. Now I can tell what even people are saying and doing in this film, which I couldn't before. It's still making a good film. No, and they're trying it again. Yeah, no, I'm going to watch the new one because it's like, the old one is just so far from being watchable at all that, like, yeah, it's right for the redoing. Never watched it, never cared, Don't. never done nothing. It's all for dorks, isn't it? It's all for sci-fi for dorks. <laughs> Sonic's World. Face from the Past, Part 2, written by Lou Stringer, with art by Gary Andrews and letters by Elita Fell. Successfully deducing who's been masquerading as his fake brother, Tonic, Sonic saves Tails from Metamorphia, and the Freedom Fighters soon overpower the shapeshifter in battle, forcing her to retreat. Dejected, she returns to base and dreams of the day she might one day win Dr. Robotnik's praise. Once again, once again, like with the last episode, I'm just loving this sort of this strip and the way that Gary Andrews draws it allows me to imagine if STC had got a cartoon series. Yeah, I mean, there I can't say enough good things, honestly. Yeah. It's lovely. Uh, I loved it back then. I feel like we might be the outliers in how much we enjoy it. I think so, because it is full-on cartoony. Even in this first panel here, look... Okay, yes, UK cartoony, sure. But look at look at the, the sweep of the spikes there. There's a lot of classic Japanese Sonic energy in that at the same time. You yeah, know? he's got... He's one of the people who Sonic can come out of their pen. It's, it's re- It doesn't look like it, but Sonic is really hard to draw, even for people who can draw yeah. and and like get him looking you anyone can draw him but getting him looking just good. right it's amazing how many different ways there are mm. to draw sonic mm. and have them be exactly the same but all different and wrong and bad <laughs> yeah and uh, this is one of the guys who just it just happens to work it connects he does it in a way that looks exactly right to me um and yet 
completely 100% cartoony. You know, this mm. guy could not draw the Death Egg story we've read at the no. start of this. I mean, it's funny that you say, because um, we've obviously observed uh, in recent times that artists are definitely getting Richard Elson's stuff as reference. Mm. You know, we've seen the way, for instance, that Corona has switched from drawing Grimer and Robotnik to the way he draws them now. That's clearly Elson-driven. Yeah. Or uh, Mike Hadley's work has started to, you've really started to feel the influence of Elson reference there as well. And this is a story where we've got Johnny and we've got Porker. There's no question he must have had Elson... Yep artwork in front of him to reference these characters from but he is totally doing his own thing and he's even you know invented a new outfit for amy in the course of this story which <laughs> becomes her most famous stc original yeah you know one thing we didn't flag up last issue of course is the uh, the title because the title face from the past is supposed to make us think that the face from the past is sonic's long yes. lost brother whereas oh, in truth yeah. the face from the past is secretly returning guest villain metamorphia Ooh, yeah. oh, okay, i like yeah. that i didn't think of that didn't flag that one up now maybe you agree with me maybe not but i really love this <laughs> i love what this does with metamorphia oh yeah he previously commented on the craft of stringer stories and how he's able to pack so much into a single story now he doesn't quite get there with metamorphia in the action sequence this time she only shapeshifts twice and you got yeah. a rule of threes that if you're doing somebody with a superpower <laughs> they can't just use it twice and then the fight's over you know that's yeah um she turns into like a dinosaur johnny belts her upside the head with his pugil stick like go johnny that's awesome and then she turns into a wave of sticky goo and sonic uh tornadoes her and, and swirls her up and then she uh, appears to fall off a waterfall. Amy thinks she slipped, but Sonic's like, nah, she jumped. She had an escape plan. And it's like, yeah, none of this is the point. It's the last yeah. two pages where she goes home. Specifically, she goes back to the death egg, where Grimer is presenting her to Dr. Robotnik. She's apologizing for having failed because she was outnumbered. So she And Grimer is bigging her up. Yeah. I love this. He's like a proud dad. Yeah. I love it so much. Isn't she fabulous, Doctor? So resourceful. And also, Gary Andrews, one of the people who can do a good Grimer without being Richard yeah. Elson. Yeah, you know? without just copying Richard Elson, yeah. you know? Now, Robotnik's mad that she still failed. This is our first establishment of the fact that Grimer created Metamorphia. Like, it's like mm. it's providing an origin for Metamorphia, which she didn't have before. Oh, good. I'm glad. I thought I'd just forgotten. <laughs> no, I don't think it's been mentioned before. And Grimer's like, Sonic isn't easy to destroy as you found out yourself many times and Robotnik starts raging how dare you compare your failures to my setbacks you little and Metamorphia throws the hands up the Robotnik's got the arms up looks like he's ready to go after Grimer and Metamorphia throws the hand up doctor no I'm sorry I failed again doctor I wanted to succeed because I adore you and she's and, and then the final page this is brilliant I love yeah. this so I like I unironically <laughs> adore this <laughs> dr robotnik bursts out laughing proper yeah. <laughs> his his anger is completely dissipated by what he perceives as the sheer ludicrosity of what she has just put to him <laughs> your monster has a sense of humor grimer of course she adores me those who don't are doomed <laughs> and he strolls off laughing to himself and metamorphia is heartbroken yeah he called me a monster and it's like she loves dr robot yeah. i don't know that she romantically loves him maybe not sure it's ambiguous isn't it it could, could be, be or it could not be yeah. yeah she adores him she might love dr robotnik she might just admire him but whatever it is 
you know, he just finds this hilarious because everyone loves him and this monster. And she's so heartbroken to be called. And then Grimer's like, even Grimer feels sad for her, yeah. you know? And it's written in his face. And he's, I mean, he can't really say anything. He can't go against Robotnik, but it's mm. in his face. And he's like, yes, well, get back to your room and we'll transport you back to your home in the Grim Zone as soon as we can. The Grim Zone, remember, from her introductory issue. Yeah. And then she goes back to her little oof, her little iron box where she sleeps on a single cot. <laughs> and she's got posters of Dr. Robotnik up on the wall that say, <laughs> yeah. my hero. And she just hopes that one day Dr. Robotnik will admire her. The day that I destroy Sonic. So this whole two-parter which initially presented itself as, like, Sonic's mystery brother, has turned out to be this massive character expansion on Metamorphia. And I'm yeah. all about it. It's great. I know. This, I mean, you know, I feel like there's a opinion, maybe, that Stringer didn't get Robotnik. Oh, really? He didn't treat, handle the character the same way that the Kitching did. But this, as a, just, I mean, I forgot about this moment, and reading it again, and being hit with this, and I'm like... Oh no, no. Stringer gets it. Like, that's a really cold yeah. take on the character. I just love it. I just love it. Yeah, same. I haven't got much to say. You know, that it, <laughs> I like everything about this. I always embraced the idea that Sonic could be cartoony. And the fact that a lot of the times when that has been done, it hasn't been very good mm. is beside the point because. I could draw little cartoony comics of Sonic and Gary Andrews can draw little cartoony comics of Sonic. And like, I, I'm glad that I think more recently there's been the fact that Tyson Hess came in with that silly Sonic comic that he did and and then took that energy and made like the Sonic Mania adventures and so on. Cartoony Sonic really does work. Yeah, and in the case of this in particular, nothing about the cartoonish energy of the artwork takes away at no. all from the nature of the action or the punch of the final scene with, with uh, the villains. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he could do a Death Egg story and I just haven't seen it before. <laughs> um, I know. The one thing I would say is that I don't know that his style has the widescreen cinematic scope necessary to fully convey what yeah. the Death Egg storyline conveys. It isn't dramatic, but when it does something that you know, a, a simple bit of dramatics like this, someone likes someone, mm. they don't like the back. It works completely effectively because it's about people. It's about people doing things to each other and saying things to each other and you get to draw funny faces, basically. I did just notice flipping back through the pages, he's got Amy's bow wrong. Oh, is he? I think that was probably the case in the previous issue too, but we didn't flag it up. She's holding a regular bow and arrow instead of her crossbow, wow. which we've seen before too. Uh, Casanova's did it in the Bad Next Bridge storyline. Yeah, the number of times now that we've said that they've drawn her bow wrong, you have to wonder if that's say, just yeah, normal. They've, <laughs> yeah, they've probably drawn a bow and arrow more times than they've <laughs> drawn the uh, tiny handheld crossbow. <laughs> Probably, yeah. This is uh, this is just really good, honestly. Um, Probably. Again, don't remember if we quite flagged this up last time. This is our first instance where Sonic's world just turned into a second Sonic strip. Mm, yes. Oh, it yeah. wasn't about another part of Sonic's world, like Barf or like, uh, or, or yeah. like the history of Sonic or whatever. Yeah, because this is our... This is our, only our third Sonic's world, right? I think so. Yeah. So the connective tissue that I didn't realise was there before is that this turns out to be a Metamorphia story. Yeah, I didn't realise. Yeah, this isn't just a second Sonic story, is it? It really... Oh, sorry, no, this is our fourth... I've just realised this is our fourth Sonic's world because the Cybernic was our third Sonic's world story, which was 
a story about, yeah, another yeah. corner of Sonic's world. And so, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, this is actually a Metamorphia story. Mm. Oh, I never, th I never thought of it in those terms before. Yeah, but this does feel like the turning point, if you will. Yeah. Because one whole half of this story wasn't really about Metamorphia. It was a Sonic strip. What it does is that even though, the, yeah, this turns out to be a Metamorphia strip, but it reads like a Sonic strip. And so now that's the bridge. That's how Sonic's world. Yeah, the, the door is open. Uh, yeah. Now. Yeah, now I'm going to have to keep a closer eye on it and see when the change actually happens, because I've always thought of this being when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And you see how Sonic's world is turning into almost a showcase for Stringer yeah. to flesh out his original characters. Yeah. Because we've had short fuse. Now this is a Metamorphia spotlight. You know, I don't know who writes the second Barf story, because uh, Mark Isles is done with Tails now, so I don't know if he will write the second Barf strip or if there's more to come there. We'll see. That's his original characters, obviously. Yeah. And then the second short fuse story is the one that introduces Techno, so that's another stringer original character so yeah that's kind of what sonic's world is it's it's lou stringer's playground yeah huh. and why not and why not indeed you know? let's give lou stringer playgrounds well, that's, you know that's totally recontextualized <laughs> the way i think of this strip for now because it does turn into other stuff later but that's really interesting and it's a tragedy that gary andrews would never come back to do anymore god isn't it a living tragedy yeah He's still working. Let's, uh, let's commission him. Let's get him to draw some Sonic comics. Hell yeah! <laughs> Sonic Feast. Dear STC, says Jamie Harrington of Brighton, Game Gear and Mega Drive owner, will there be any more Sonic games released on the Game Gear and Mega Drive as they are the only ones I like playing? Ooh, just call Jamie Harrington Cassandra. <laughs> I mean, they're the only ones I like playing, too, here in the year of our Lord 2021. <laughs> oh, I misunderstood. I was reading it as those being the only Sonic games he liked to play. But, of course, there aren't any other Sonic games, are there? No. He's referring to Sonic being the only game series that he likes to play. I suppose I was coming at that from a 2021 mindset where there are a great many more Sonic games. And, yes, the ones on the Mega Drive... <laughs> are the only ones I like to play. <laughs> yeah. Megadroid says that Sonic Drift Racing is available on the Game Gear now, but further news on Sonic and Sonic-related games is hush-hush at the moment. Ooh, so there would have been Sonic 3D. I feel as if there were billions of Game Gear games, so there must be still some of them to come out. Would Sonic 3D have been in the pipe yet? Oh, I don't know. Probably not. That. Probably not, actually. Yeah. Um, so, they, yeah, they wouldn't have known about it at this point. I mean, the Saturn is in the works, so it's, they must have had Sonic Extreme floating around mm. in some capacity because they would have wanted that early on even though it never won. I mean, I don't doubt for a moment that where they say here in STZ that news on Sonic-related games is hush-hush at the moment, they mean they've never heard. They don't know. Yes, they mean nobody's told us. Nobody tells us nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's hush-hush from them. Yeah, no, I don't think they're holding onto any secret info themselves. But there, mm. but there really wouldn't be many more Sonic games on the Mega Drive and Game Gear. There would be Sonic 3D oh. and... Presume I don't know the timeline of releases for Game Gear. I guess if we're about to have the chaotic story, we must already have had Triple Trouble. Yeah, because uh, Knack is is in it, and then in the chaotic strip. Yes, no, they, I think they've reviewed Triple Trouble in the reviews at oh. some point. Yeah, so yeah, that's happened. so. What's left? Chaos and Labyrinth. Well, Chaos comes before uh, oh. Triple Trouble. So so just Labyrinth, maybe Labyrinth. I don't know. Um, uh, I, there's the Tales games, but I don't know if they ever came out here. So I think the answer for Jamie Harrington is not no. really <laughs> kind Sorry, of Jamie. but uh yeah you're you're going to um, 
We have had Mean Bean Machine yet. No, that's happening. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Jamie, you're going to have to just wait for Sonic Mania in 20, what, 18, 19? When was that? I don't care to remember because it implies time passes faster <laughs> than I would care to recognize. Ah, right. So you're just going to have to wait <laughs> for Sonic Mania, which was earlier this year. Yes. <laughs> um, dear Megadroid, uh, a letter titled Gotcha here. I am very disappointed with STC's David Gibbon. Oh, calling out the, the reason... staff by name again. We've been doing this mm-hmm. a bit lately. I mean, this is the problem with putting your name to your work, uh, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> the reason being that the Earthworm Jim and Lion King cheats in issue 48's Q-Zone uh, didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, for your information, mm-hmm. the correct Lion King cheat should be as follows. Go to the option screen and press right A. A, B, and start from <laughs> Game Guru Jonathan Harris of London, Game Gear and Mega Drive owner. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know, Jonathan, that Mr. Gibbon has since been marched to the nearest cage and is currently eating his words. <laughs> Jonathan Harris, you could hear him uh, delivering that letter. <laughs> Pain of it all, my dear boy, you clattering collection of collegialist cogs and seconds. <laughs> I'm sure that was him. I'm sure he wrote into STC. Yes, him exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair criticism, isn't it? If you're printing cheats in STC and they don't work, then... Yes, I would send an angry letter mm. if I was so inclined. I'm not. No. <laughs> and finally, in the red, dear STC, I am a big Knuckles fan and was wondering if your publishers would consider Consider a KTC, Knuckles the comic, from Daniel Staples, mm. Kent. And Megadroid says, well, that'll give the humes who think they're in charge something to think about, Dan. In the meantime, the Red Dreaded One returns next issue for the start of an exciting six-part series, they don't normally tell us the parts oh. events, called Chaotix. Oh, that's exciting. You know, if I remember right, the strip is called Total Chaotix. Yeah! Just Chaotix, but never mind, that's twice they've called it Chaotix now. Yeah, well, we already know that some strips did have name changes right at the last minute. Yeah, and of course, we would eventually get a Knuckles comic, an all-Knuckles yeah, special. Yeah, knuck- uh, a next, knockout Next special. summer. Nothing less. The Knuckles yeah. knockout special. But, uh, and we will, of course, cover of course. it. But that's not till the summer of 1996. Wow. So you'll have to wait till then, boomers. And I hope that Daniel picked it up with the mm. time came. There's a couple of bits of fan art on this one. So first of mm. all, uh, by Simon Medhurst of Long Eaton Nottingham, there's just a good drawing of, uh, you know, a copied drawing of yes. Sparkster. I don't know the costume enough. Is that, like, a particular costume, or has he made bits up? I think it's that he is unable to translate, in the form of coloured pencil and black outline, the chrome lighting effects on Sparkster's metal armour. Right. The burnished, airbrushed, glistening areas that appeared a sort of yellow gradient uh, on the piece of art that he's copied from. He could not copy properly in pen and ink. Right. And then... From uh, Richard At, uh, well, it says Atkinson of Gainsborough Links. I don't know if that's Atkinson or if it is in fact Atlin- Atkinson, but um, it's a drawing of Amy, and she's got what's she got? Well, she's, do- she's wearing. Is she doing a shinobi? The, it, she does seem to be wearing yeah, like a martial arts gi. Yeah, she's got. Oh, it's, a, it's a white top, uh, crisscrossed over like Ryu, if you like, from Street Street mm-hmm. Fighter. Um, tied with a like a, a knotted martial arts uh, a pink belt yes. <laughs> if you will uh, around her waist and she's holding a samurai sword it looks like it's cut off by by the frame of the picture but yeah and it looks like she's wearing that over the top of a of a skirt yes. that this uh, particular artist has chosen to print a to draw a tartan pattern on yes um not a coincidence 
based on the fact, obviously, that Amy has only just been introduced wearing a tartan skirt yeah. in SDC. It's green. This is coloured red. That explains it. I was confused why they put this, but now you have shown me the light. <laughs> it's that she doesn't normally wear a kilt at this stage. <laughs> yes, that's it, yes. Because the caption says... Amy, where's your trousers? <laughs> Our second anti-Scots joke yep. in, in a short space of time. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, no, I was really confused by that because I just think of Amy as wearing a kilt anyway. Well, not a, not a kilt, but a tartan pattern skirt anyway. See, I, you know, that's funny because I don't, honestly. Don't. Yeah, I think I dropped off the comic too soon. Mm. Well, let's dive into our own mailbag then, uh, which you can send messages to us. We'll give you the uh, address at the end, so pens and paper at the ready. We have a letter here from Chris Locke. Who says, Hi Dave and Chris, about a year ago I acquired a lot of my old family photos and while going through them found one of me being clearly the coolest person who has ever lived. <laughs> I have attached the picture, which I think was taken around 95 or 96, meaning I was either 11 or 12 at the time. Now that's a cool dude. That is a cool dude. I mean, look what's going on. He is sat in what to me reads as a bedroom. He's playing on a Mega Drive. He's got a pair of big chunky headphones on. And he is wearing a sonic top. But my eye is drawn elsewhere. Yes, as is mine. You Did you have this at any point? <laughs> I did not have this Transformers wallpaper it's that he has on his walls. magnificent, isn't it? Look at it. Isn't it? Those are the old classic box art there. Is it, Well, is it? This was my question. Yeah, is that art you oh, recognise? Oh, yes. These are the old classic uh, Japanese and Japanese-influenced style airbrushed portraits that they used for the box artwork. It's one of the standout aspects of the original Transformers graphic design. Well, if he's not going to plug it, I will check out Chris McFeely's The Art of Transformers series on YouTube for more information. I'm also loving the chair he's got his feet up on, which is... Oh, yeah. It's like a, the Save by the Bell opening exactly. credits turned into a chair. Yeah, pretty much. It's one of, the, it's one of your basic, you know, uh, office chair designs of the sort we used to have in our bedrooms back then, but it's covered in all sorts of interesting squiggles and patterns. And then the floor has got, like, multicolored laser beam carpet... I'm loving it. Chris has helped us out here. He says, uh, since this is an audio medium, please feel free to note the Sonic Jumper, the Transformers wallpaper. Oh, yeah. Whatever that type of bed was called. The, oh, I guess the bed. I guess, is that his bed? Oh, yeah, it's his bed. He's got an upstairs bed. I love me an upstairs oh, bed. <laughs> with a little, with some drawers and a table underneath it and stuff. We can only see the corner, so I hadn't noticed. But yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. And a sticker right on it. 90s as f bus seat pattern on the carpet and the frankly bizarre yeah. pattern on the chair. The six button controller makes me think I was probably playing Comic Zone, as I think it's the only game I had that actually used those extra buttons. Love the part. We, we noticed more or less everything he's uh, chosen to flag up there, didn't we? We have those kinds of brains. <laughs> Particularly for reminding me just how many issues I actually read. Thanks. For the weekly nostalgia, he of course means fortnightly nostalgia. Uh, that's course. from Chris Locke, 37, London, Sega Mega Drive, and Tiger Electronic Sonic the Hedgehog 2 handheld game owner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks very much for your letter, Chris. That is the sort of stuff we like to see. A little window back into other people's own personal 1994, 5, 6. <laughs> Daryl Baxter apologises initially for the length of this letter. Don't worry, Daryl, it'll probably get cut down. Uh, <laughs> I've been meaning to write this to you both for a while, but I thought now was the time, as you'll discover why. My first issue was number 82, with the third part of Running Wild. Ah, uh, so Daryl's probably imagining that by the time we get round to reading this, we'll be on issue 82. <laughs> <laughs> no little ways to go yet. <laughs> my experience with the comic was cut short, due to my parents refusing to pay the 5p increase to £1.30. Oof, £1.30? Whoa, yeah. that's some distance away. Oof, yeah, we're still living in £1.15 land. That is three whole price rises away. Yeah. 
It was only through a friend that I was able to see what happened in issue 100 and the subsequent issues a couple of years later. Well, fast forward to 2018, and I find myself at the 25th anniversary of STC in Manchester, having donated toward the STC online Kickstarter where I was depicted as a purple hedgehog on their iPhone. Hmm. It was simply heartwarming to chat to so many nice people about the series. The highlight, though, was talking to Nigel Kitching and reading the script to Running Wild, alongside a drawing from Nigel Dobbin where I asked him to draw Knuckles and Zachary, and he's posted us a picture of that. It's something I'll always cherish, and it's a tragedy to me that he's no longer with us, but it's his art, such as the one he did for me, that will last for longer than any of us and show just how much of a kind, talented man he was. That event was the first time where I realised just how many fans of this comic were out there. So fast forward again and I discover your podcast and it's great rediscovering these issues again. I've even uncovered my original issues from the parents' attic which are now beside my desk. Even last week I've won a few eBay auctions which have by fluke enabled me to own a mint condition of issue one and issue 100 and issue 80 and many more hence why i decided to email you both now i can't believe i've managed to luck my way into copies of issue 1 and 100 let me tell yeah. you they're far from mint they won't have been mint yeah. yeah while i've loved the podcast so far i'm really intrigued as to how your opinions will go once you reach the time of issue 82 when seven-year-old me first laid eyes on the comic and its universe keep killing it with this show it is one of the best podcasts out there and it's really helped me with my mental health in these pandemic times for the days where you just want to go and have a pint with friends or family all the best, Daryl Palkey's podcast. Oh, thanks very much, Daryl. Uh, I am actually quite interested to get up to that era of the comic myself, because that is after I had personally stopped reading it. Now, I'm, mm. st- I'm still very familiar with what was going on in it that time from looking at it in the shops. It's, it's later again after that, whenever I definitely didn't keep up with it as much, that I'm even more interested to get to. You know, as far as Running Wild is concerned, I might as well have still been buying it. I remember it so well, you know. <laughs> I really... Uh, but I had missed a few issues and couldn't jump back on with holes in the collection. Oh. And all that is so much closer than you really realise. Mm. Yeah, because I thought it was going to be half of the rest of my life until we got here. And here we are, all of a sudden. <laughs> Ten minutes in the pandemic later and we're at issue 50. <laughs> Just shy of two years. Wow. But when you put it like that, it's only been two years. Yeah. We're here, you know, and yeah. all this stuff. I think Running Wild is next year sometime. And we've got one here from Marcus Black that makes me fizz. He says, Hey guys, I'm making my way through the podcast. I'm on episode 10 now where you finally have an email address to contact. And I am loving it. Like Chris, I'm also from NI, Belfast to be precise, and I loved STC back in the day to the point where I was even published in one of the speed lines, albeit under a different name, long story. Thing is, I wrote in during the hog tags phase of the comic. Now, Mm. I've brought this up, I I feel I remembered them better than you did, has the memory cleared? I remember the name, but Mm. I can't bring the image in my mind to mind. It's literally just... Um, military hog tags. So you've got a chain... Dog tags. Sorry. Military dog tags. <laughs> so you've got a chain with two just little flat bits of metal on. And on yeah. one of these is stamped, I think. It could have just been, like, drawn on. But I think it was stamped. The Sonic and Knuckles logo. So yes. naturally... That does ring a bell. Anything yes. with that on... I- I've been desperate to get that. I've looked on eBay. As long as eBay has existed, I've never found them. Which presumably just shows how precious these things are. Or does it? Because Marcus tells us here, I wrote in during the hog tags phase of the comic, and I never received my hog tag. Outrage. Absolutely unacceptable. Scandal. I am still mad about it to this day, says Marcus, and blame the deep feeling of disappointment and emptiness I feel on a daily basis on <laughs> this. I wonder if any other boomers didn't receive their prizes and why. Thanks. Marcus Black, published in STC number 98, under the name Robert Sweeney. 
Well, Ooh, well, we'll get you on to read your letter right when the time comes. Absolutely. What if they never sent any of them out? And that's why I can't oh, find them I on eBay. No, I mean, I find that hard to believe. Me too. But like, I have to be honest, you know, dog tags, it seems like the sort of thing that mums threw a lot of out. You know, oh, no. Agonizing as right. it is to hear. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh well. Oh, well, so we feel your pain, Marcus. Thanks for writing in. And if you want to write in, boomers, please do, please do. We want more. We want as many as you can get. It is, here is the address, stctpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you there. And that brings us to the end of another issue. Next issue, happy birthday to (laughs) the number two. You, not to us, no. but to you. Uh, yeah, be, well, it is to us, and it is to them, yeah, and it is yeah, to you, and it is to me, and it is to... <laughs> it's the second birthday issue! A rather dodgy piece of artwork to promote it as well. A uh, a little... It looks like a Carl Flint, but not with his usual airbrushed style. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it's not the cover of the issue, I don't know that much. No, I hope not. But it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's Sonic doing his little foot tap, and he's got a little paper crown on, a little torn paper crown, yes. and a little happy birthday badge. Yes. Because it is the second anniversary of the comic with a new story as Knuckles returns, as we've been told twice already. A new series, Sparkster, and we can win Sonic and Knuckles jacket and MD games. Look forward to seeing what that jacket looks like. We'll find out next time. Oh, wait, yeah. (laughs) Plus Sonic, the final disaster, and Shinobi, a fight to the finish. Yes, so both disaster and Shinobi wrap up next issue. Oh, wow. STC 53 two sega two years on signal and it has been years. it has been for us listeners little more than two years yeah. uh, from from our perspective you know but yeah, but yeah, yeah. this yeah, two years old on sale saturday the 27th of may 1995 1.15 still yes if you want to join us in celebrating our second anniversary you'll find the podcast anywhere good podcasts are available but you can also download it directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com that's w-i-g-g-l-e-h-e.com and you know what you should do that we keep forgetting to ask you to do and for some reason apparently asking you to do it is what gets you to do it we need reviews we need some. Oh gosh, yeah. Get yeah. over to I iTunes or whatever it's called now, Apple Podcasts. Get those five stars in and tell us there what you think because that's other people get to see it then and it's just nice. But also we troll it and we look at it and we go, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> nice reviews. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, go and give us some reviews. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast. We've got separate Twitters there as well. I am at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely and you'll find us both under those names on YouTube as well. Our editor is Sam Gabriel, whose work you can find at samgabrielvo.com. He is at Saber in Blue on Twitter. Uh, we pay Sam using the proceeds from our Patreon. You can support the series on Patreon, which will get you access to bonus videos where we look at things like the Martin Adams Sonic novels, and the, well, Dave is also reading me his fan fiction, but you don't know, you know, sign up for that. <laughs> We've got an opening theme tune right at the start of the episode. That is called Synchronize. It is by Sonic the Comic, the band. Yes, it is. Go and look them up there at sonicthecomic.bandcamp. Dot com. Go and support them. But we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast, and we will see you for birthday fun next, next time. Next time. <laughs> uh.